Happy Victory Friday, Colts fans. You are listening to the Colts Blue Zone podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me and Mike Chappell. And today we're going to talk about the Colts' huge Thursday night win over the Titans. We'll discuss takeaways, injuries, and what this game means for the AFC South. Um, We'll get into a little bit of news first, but before I get to that, Mike, how are you today? I'm above ground, and nowadays that's always where you want to start. That's right. That's all you can hope for sometimes. Um, Let's see. Looking at the the news of the week, as you could have guessed, it is COVID-related. Um, COVID-19 continues to run its course through the league as the virus surges across the country. On Wednesday, ESPN reported that the Chiefs, Ravens, Raiders, Dolphins, and Jets each placed at least one player on the reserve slash COVID list. Um, there were a few key guys in there, but no all-star, superstar, you know, pet, it wasn't Patrick Mahomes or anybody like that. I think the Chiefs are on the bye anyway this week. Um, and then on Thursday... Adam Schefter of ESPN reported that the Browns had a player test positive. So several teams dealing with it. Um, of course, these teams are going through the NFL's protocols. It doesn't appear like any of these games is in serious jeopardy of, you know, being rescheduled or canceled at this point, but we'll certainly hope for the best. Um, of course, like we talked about earlier this week, if uh, there are more games canceled, the NFL might expand the playoffs to make up for that. Um, But let's go ahead and get into this game recap here because we have a lot to talk about. The game did not start well for Indianapolis. The Titans get things going with a six-play, 67-yard touchdown drive that ended with former Colt, briefly a former Colt, Deontay Foreman finding the end zone on a touchdown pass. You know, as a Colts fan, you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, the Colts D is getting off to another slow start. Will the offense be able to catch up if the Colts get down multiple scores? Or at least that's where my, my mind was at after that uh, quick drive by the Titans. The Colts themselves would go on an 11-play, 46-yard drive. They went for it twice on fourth and one. They converted the first attempt from their own 45-yard line. Despite Jonathan Taylor getting hit in the backfield, he was able to power through that tackle and pick up the first down. The second fourth down attempt of the drive, not so much. Uh, it was actually Jordan Wilkins who got the carry, and he was stuffed for no gain at Tennessee's 29. Um, Colts being aggressive, as they always have under Frank Wright. Mike, what did you think of the decision? Yeah, it, it, it's funny. Whenever something doesn't work, you say do something different. But th- we talked to Frank after the game, and he made it very clear that he thought this was one of those games where you simply had to be aggressive. And 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 they were. They, they, they went for it on – Five times. Uh, three. They were three of five. And what's really crazy is for all what they were trying to do, the five fourth downs, three that they made, none of them got anything done. They were both on drives that, that uh, ended on downs. But it was, it was, let's set the tone. Let's show that we're here to not kick field goals. Uh, that's been them in the butt before. Let's go back to Jacksonville when they were down inside the five-yard line and got nothing. But but it's game to game, and, and he, he, he always says that he's got the word conviction on his play card, and it reminds him to trust, trust his instincts, trust his players, and if, and if he feels it's the right thing to do, do it. And, you know, that's the approach they took virtually the entire game. 
Yeah, and I, I noticed, you know, you had the tweet saying if you go for it on every fourth down, it's going to be a long game. Darius Leonard, after the game and his excitement, says something to the likes of let the coaches coach or that's why the coaches coach. I think your point was more so you need to be getting it down on first, second, and third down and not have to go for it on fourth down. It wasn't necessarily that I thought it was a bad choice to go for it, but if you're needing four downs to pick up a first every time, it's going to be a long game for you. That's the whole thing. And, again, if you're going to go for it, like he even said to the game, three of five is not good enough on, on, on fourth down. And, and this is something I'm, I'm kind of looking at the numbers now and I'm halfway through it. My biggest concern for this, I put in the run game because that's really it's a run down, although they've thrown a lot, is with this offensive line, and we've talked about this on, on the podcast a lot, if you've got one of the best offensive lines in the league, third and one and fourth and one ought to be, that ought to be gravy for you guys. It, it just should be. And it's not. And people can bitch and moan about Hines and Taylor and Wilkins and how they run in short yardage. How many times, well, you mentioned uh, with Jonathan Taylor getting hit behind the line on the one. These guys aren't getting much of a chance to, to, to get things done short yardage because the offensive line is letting too much penetration for whatever reason. Yeah, and, and I did think it was peculiar that they went to Wilkins because Taylor had just powered through and saved the earlier first down. I think he's clearly your most powerful, strongest running back, and so he's a guy who can break more tackles. Jordan Wilkins has good vision. He's a shifty guy, but I don't see him necessarily run through a lot of guys out there. But anyway, uh, as Darius Leonard would say, that's why I'm not coaching. Um, the Colts, after turning it over on downs, the defense was get, able to get a three and out, and boy, did they get bailed out by an A.J. Brown drop on what probably should have been a 70-yard touchdown. Uh, it, it just went off his hands. He kind of bobbled it and lost it. He had burned uh, Xavier Rhodes on the play. Uh, that's a play we see A.J. Brown make 99 times out of 100. Um, the Colts really fortunate to get away with that one. Indianapolis now. With the ball, they would go on an 11-play, 69-yard drive that had to settle for a field goal at Tennessee's six-yard line. Third and three from the six, and they threw it to Jordan Wilkins, who they had lined up as a wide receiver. Yes, I get Wilkins stopped on the route. That's kind of the point. I mean, why do you have Jordan Wilkins out there running routes on such a crucial down? Go to your guys in TY. or It, it just seemed curious to me, at, at least. It's always about, about maximizing the talents of your players. And of the people I want out there to run that play, he's probably way down my list. Naheem Hines. Yeah. You know, what... uh, maybe Trey Burton. So, and again, I, I guess we wouldn't have this discussion if Wilkins hadn't sort of stopped on the route. But, but still, it's, again, whenever it doesn't work, do something else. But it was, I didn't mind the play call. I minded who the play went to. Yeah, it's, it's same here. And, and I mean, the reason he stopped is because he was about to get lit up by a linebacker over the it, middle. It, it's, funny, it's funny how people on Twitter, as a business decision, you know, you're going to get hit. Well, okay, but put yourself in that position. <laughs> yeah. He, he would have gotten blown up because the pass would have taken him right into the DB. And so, uh, he might not have gotten the first down anyway. It looked like or, he might have been up. short. Yeah. Or gotten <laughs> Or gotten up. That's a great point. Uh, so the Colts got did get a field goal out of that drive. They decided not to go for it that time. Uh, so it's now seven to three. 
Titans on top at this point. Tennessee would then go on a 46 yards and eight plays, but the Colts held them to a field goal once they entered Indianapolis territory. 10-3 Tennessee early in the second quarter now. The Colts orchestrate a beautiful eight-play, 80-yard drive that resulted in a very nice Naheem Hines touchdown on a neat little option route. Uh, Hines and Michael Pittman Jr. would come up big on that drive, and they wouldn't be done. For the moment, we have a 10-10 ball game, but Tennessee answered. The Titans would go on a nine-play, 75-yard drive that ended in a one-yard Johnny Smith touchdown run, and penalties just killed Indianapolis on that drive. Four flags on Indy. They resulted in three Titans first downs. Titans now retake the lead 17 to 10. The Colts will get the ball with a little under three minutes left in the half. They worked their way down to Tennessee's nine yard line, 16 seconds left, no timeouts. Phillip Rivers takes the sack, the one thing you can't do. And the Colts have to run like their hair is on fire to get back to the line of scrimmage to spike the ball. They're successful and get the clock stopped with one second left to set up a Rodrigo Blankenship field goal, but they wouldn't make it easy on them. A false start would back them up another five yards, but nonetheless, Hot Rod nails the 43-yarder. It is 17-13 to at the half. Um, At halftime, I didn't know how to feel. It it, it was a close game despite the Colts. It it kind of felt like they left some things on the field there in the first half, but it's still close. The third quarter is where things really got funky. The Colts start with the ball. They go on a lengthy 15-play drive that soaked up half of the quarter, but it failed to result in points. The Colts went for it on fourth and short three times on this drive. Indianapolis thought they had a touchdown on a little tap pass to Zach Paschal, but after review, it was called short of the goal line, uh, third and one from inside the one. Jonathan Taylor got stuffed. Then they go to Jordan Wilkins, and he gets stuffed on fourth down. The offensive line simply was outmanned in the short run game. I mean, I mean the Titans were just blowing him up, blowing past the blockers. Uh, and there were a few plays where specifically it looked like the Colts missed Jack Doyle's run blocking ability. There was a few plays where linebacker would get past Burton and just kind of creep inside the backfield. It, it wasn't all from uh, the interior, but, you know, however it happened, the Colts short yardage blocking was not good enough. Uh, Tennessee would take over from their own one yard line, but a couple Derrick Henry runs would give them some breathing room. But on third and one, Danico Autry makes a massive play by not falling for the play fake and sacking Ryan Tannehill to force the punt. Punter Trevor Daniels would then hit a shank job off the side of his foot, netting just 17 yards. And the Colts are back in business. They take over at the Titans 27. After a four-yard run to Naheem Hines, a 21-yard end-around by Michael Pittman Jr., and the Colts would then run it in from two yards from Hines, his second score of the game. Colts take their first lead of the game late in the third quarter, 20-7. to On the Titans' subsequent drive, the Colts would tighten up, as they say in Tennessee, and force a three-and-out. Uh, and then in what might have been the turning point of the entire ball game. Linebacker, my boy, EJ Speed, blocked Daniel's punt. TJ Carey with the scoop and score to extend Indy's lead to 10. Um, Mike, I saw that you retweeted someone saying that Carey is the first player since 2013 with an interception return for a touchdown. 
and a block punt return for a touchdown in the same season. Terry's really been a nice addition to the Colts defense, another impactful free agent by Chris Ballard. Yeah, and on defense, he played a lot more last night because Kenny Moore had rib, rib issues. Uh, I would take it – I go a little different. You said that was a turning point. The turning point might have been the 17-yard shank because yeah. it sort of set, it set all this stuff in motion. So they scored two touchdowns, and I think it was 59 seconds. And special teams has just really, really been good. Early on, we had Rigo dropping balls inside the five-yard line. And we had Isaiah Rogers with, with a kickoff return for a touchdown. And then this, or I, I can't remember which game it was. Jordan Glasgow uh, had a deflected punt that, that led to a, a score. So it's, the, you know, you always hear three phases. And a lot of people just say you, you blow off special teams. Although last year, the Colts special teams really, really hurt them on the kicking game. But uh, when you, when you can get three points, three points on your special teams. It doesn't go down as a turnover since, you know, you're going to get the ball anyway, but what a monster, monster swing that was. And it just, it, it's like a pick six. It just, it's, you know, it, it's a big play, but, but you get points off of it. And, and the, the, the lift that it gives an entire team is incredible. Yeah. You make a good point with the special teams. I mean, aside from the Detroit game, the special teams have been really on fire all season long. Um, but the game is not over yet. Titans would put together a 12-play, 52-yard drive to set up a 44-yard field goal attempt, trying to make this a one-possession game. But veteran Steven Goskowski having a rough year. He would miss it, giving the Colts uh, the ball back with 12 minutes left in the game. Colts with the ball, face mask penalty on first down, and then a 40-yard reception by MPJ would set the Colts up deep into Titans territory on third and run from Tennessee's two. Jacoby Brissett enters the game, powers his way into the end zone on a quarterback sneak. Mike, it was nice to see Jacoby score. You could tell that him and his teammates were just thrilled for him. Uh, this would essentially put the game out of the, out of reach. Colts up 34 to 17 with about nine and a half minutes left, but man, was it great to see Jacoby get in the end zone. Well, because again, the, the, they've used him twice in, gadgets this wasn't a gadget play but they've used him twice in gadgets once at jacksonville then he was sacked and then i think it was last week when 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 they tried something at the end of the first half or whatever it was yeah, i think he was going to chuck a deep one and right. didn't even get a chance to but but you know philip rivers is not going to sneak two yards it's just not going to happen but with, with brissette is a big guy he's strong and while he doesn't possess much speed or he's got mobility but not speed in those kind of situations he's tough to stop but it wasn't four it wasn't inches it, it was it was two yards and it's it's just good that when you see tj carry ej speed and for set and in in different people doing things to kind of make it a complete game i think in, with the cults in the past we're so used to having Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning or Marvin or Reggie or, or, or T.Y. be the guy. And now they got guys doing things. And it's kind of, it's kind of refreshing to see the, the entire roster doing things to make plays. Yeah, it is a cliche, but this really was a full rounded team win for Indianapolis on this one. Uh, the game would end without much event. The Titans would turn it over on downs after driving to the Colts 12. 
Um, some would argue they could kick the field goal, make it a two possession game. I think they were more focused on the touchdowns. Um, the Colts would melt some clock with a few more runs before punting. And then Tennessee basically ran out the clock with their backups in the game. Um, both teams had, you know, decided this one was over at that point. And the Colts doubled up the Titans for a final score of 34 to 17. Indianapolis takes the division lead in the AFC South with seven weeks left in the season. Uh, the Titans come to Indianapolis in 16 days. So this thing is far from over, but certainly encouraging on Indianapolis side. Um, moving on to takeaways now. One of the huge takeaways, and I don't think he gets quite enough credit for how well he played in this one, Philip Rivers. The good Philip Rivers showed up. 29 of 39 for 308 yards and a touchdown. He was sacked just once. And on the day, Rivers passes Dan Marino to move into fifth place all-time in passing with uh, over six, 61,000 passing yards. Uh, Mike, you noted on Twitter that he's probably not going to catch Brett Favre, who's in fourth place, with over 71,000. But still, what an accomplishment for Rivers. Yeah, and I thought it was it, – it's – as much as they don't want this to be about one guy, the quarterback, it's about one guy, the quarterback. If he plays relatively clean, now he had the one throw, I don't know what quarter it was in, when he forced it to Marcus Johnson again on the left side, that it was intercepted, but the guy was out of bounds. But other than that, it was a pretty clean game. And w w when they play like that, when he spreads it around and you take your shots, and I'm telling you, we're seeing Michael Pittman that they saw coming out of college. Uh, and I've got to admit that when we saw him in training camp, I didn't see this type of speed. You see the size. I mean, he, he, he's, he is what he is, but we didn't see that kind of acceleration uh, in training camp. And he, you know, he was delayed by the injury. If he continues to emerge and gives you, I'm not saying a hundred yards every week, of course not, but he gives you that threat to where you make a big play, uh, uh, down the field what what the issue we've had is they're one of the top 10 teams in the league in chunk plays which are 20 yard receptions but what's been missing are the 30 and 40 and beyond and I think this kid gives you that opportunity that's encouraging so I again a lot, a lot of things to take away from this but if Philip Rivers plays like this doesn't get too risky too much of a gunslinger and the running game wasn't great, but it was good enough. Uh, again, it, it, when they play like that, they're going to be a tough out. They just are going to be. Yeah. And uh, it's being tweeted out that the Colts outscored the Titans 21 to nothing in the second half after entering halftime down 17 to 13, the 21 plus point second half inferential was the best by a team who trailed that half this season. And it's the largest win of Phillip Rivers career in trailing at the half. So really a great second half out of Indianapolis. Uh, and as you mentioned, Mike, it was a coming out party for another one of my boys, Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, the rookie set career highs with seven catches for 101 yards on eight targets. He added a 21 yard rush, made catches of 30 and 40 yards in this one. Uh, the Colts need Michael Pittman to keep it up moving forward. And I mean, it just seems like the rookie, you know, you mentioned you didn't see the speed and we didn't really see it as much earlier in the season either. Kind of seems like things are coming together for him now. Maybe he's thinking a little less 
and just playing and reacting a little more after more time in the offense. I mean, it's got to be tough for some rookies, as we've said a thousand times with the, um, you know, shortened off season, the virtual off season. So it seems like Pittman is stepping up and being the explosive playmaker that the Colts drafted him to be. And, um, you know, T.Y. Hilton had just four catches for 40 yards in this one. Several of them moved the chains. I mean, a few of them were first downs. Um, but I just get the feeling that Pittman Jr. doesn't have quite as big of a day if Hilton isn't out there and that they're not worried about Hilton as well. I think, I think this offense kind of needs both guys to move forward. You can't just go, oh, Pittman Jr.'s got it now. We don't need T.Y. Uh, you know, the more playmakers in this offense, the better. Well, and, and too, we talked about last Thursday previewing the game is T.Y.'s presence, and people may get tired of him, T.Y.'s presence makes a difference. When you have to worry about where he is, uh, it, it opens things up for Pittman, for Marcus Johnson, for, for Zach Pascal. So, and I think it was important to get T.Y. had four for 40, and there were a couple of chain-moving catches. Uh, we, you know, this offense still needs T.Y. to be the big play guy on occasion. But, you know, you, you, the fact that, again, that they're one in 10 without T.Y. tells you something. It just does. And he gets back and the offense plays as well as it did. So, you know, good for him. I, I hope he gets back to where he has a couple of those T.Y. games. I would hate to see this be a, you know, 50 catch, 600 yard season in what might be his last season. But for now, when this offense plays like this, it's really tough to defend because, again, Rivers doesn't – like he said, there's not a go-to guy. There's a bunch of guys he goes to. Yeah, yeah. And let's hope we can get T.Y. at least in the end zone once this year. Uh, They tried. It was about a 20, 25-yard pass um, where T.Y. kind of got past the defender and they couldn't quite connect on that one. Um, in the running game, it was another week where, you know, the coaching staff just rode the hot hand, as they like to say. And Naheem Hines was hot in this one. On his 24th birthday, he rushed 12 times for 70 yards in the score, caught another five passes for 45 yards in a touchdown. He was second on the team in receiving behind Michael Pittman Jr. And, you know, Hines looked like the most successful. I mean, he was the most successful running back and a reason I think for that is his ability to kind of create on his own he's shifty he can make people miss and then he has the speed to make every crease count you know if the the running if your offensive line isn't creating as big a holes for you you got to have the speed to take advantage of what they do open up and get the yards that are there Um, and so he just seemed to be the best fit for how the game was going in this one Um, Hines having the best season of his career one thing I will say, and I've criticized Frank and Nick Sirianni as much as anyone about how how are they going to be creative in using Hines, and we've seen a lot of flashes of that. I I would caution that I just don't know that you want Hines 15, 17 carries a game. I, I just don't know that he holds up physically that way. That's why they need Jonathan Taylor to sort of – come out of the funk that he's in, whatever you want to call it. But I, 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 I like a lot of touches from Hines. I don't necessarily like a lot of, you know, the play after play carries by Hines because I just think he'll wear down over the course of a season. Sure. I think this is probably, you know, the, the max at which you want to use Hines. 12 carries, five passes. Um, that's kind of like the most you want to use him there. 
But I do think he certainly deserves 10 touches a game, whether they come on the ground or the air, just because he can make so many things happen after he catches the ball. Um, Mike, we've both mentioned short yardage running, an issue for the Colts. They just got blown up on numerous short yardage occasions. I actually found a stat pro football focus as the Colts offensive line ranked 31st in yards created. So they're not getting a little a lot of push up front for those uh, running backs to run behind. I just don't know how you fix that at this point in the season. One thing I wish they'd do, it, it just drives me crazy in, in the short yardage that they bring in the jumbo package and Danny Penner and they load everybody up, you know, in, in the box. I just wish they would be more receptive to spreading, spreading guys out, you know, in, in, in not empty backfield at all, but, but spread it at spread, spread the defense out to where you're not having to block nine or 10 guys in there. So, so, so give, give the, the, the running back a chance to have a, a crease. You don't need a lot. You're only trying to get a yard or two. I just think it's, it's almost like it's a macho thing with teams that we're going to go big on big and our bigs are better than your bigs. Well, at some point, you know, change it up and, and, and spread people out. Have your receivers out wide to where they've at least got to consider you may throw it, even though that you want to run it. It's just always been a pet peeve of mine. And this isn't just with Frank. It's all the way back. I just think you're asking your offensive line, no matter how good it is, to be really, really good when most of the time it's going to be like nine on 11 because their quarterback and the running back, they're occupied. So your nine guys are blocking 11 guys. That's just me, and I'm sure a, a, someone who gets paid to be an OC in the league would tell me I'm, I'm full of it. But at some point, you know, don't be, 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 be smarter than, than what, you know, don't do the same thing over and over again because it's not working. And it, maybe that's what they would change, but this team should be better in, in third and fourth and short. Yeah, at a certain point, you'd have to say, okay, maybe we aren't good enough to win big on big. But I know Frank Wright, he has up more confidence in his players, and he's not going to back down. He's going to keep that mentality of, we will beat you no matter what. And if we don't do it this time, we'll do it the next time. Um, the Colts did commit an uncharacteristic nine penalties, but they didn't hurt themselves with turnovers. In fact, neither team had a turnover in this one. Although you could argue the Titans shanked and blocked punts were essentially just that. But this Colts defense showed the world on prime time while they were one of the best in the league. Of course, they held uh, Tennessee to 17 points, none in the second half. They really confined Ryan Tannehill. He had just 147 yards on 15 of 27 passing. And his longest completion was a 21-yarder to A.J. Brown on the first drive of the game. That was Brown's only catch. You know, we mentioned his draft. Uh, what could have been a 72-yard touchdown pass down the left side. But, I mean, Brown has been a force for them all year. And so to keep him to one catch for 21 yards is really an outstanding job by the Colts. On the ground game, Derrick Henry did eclipse 100 yards. He seems to be their kryptonite for their whole not allowing 100-yard rusher statistics. Um, he did that on 19 carries, but the Colts really made him earn it. His longest run was 20 yards. Uh, a lot of the runs were, you know, or a lot of his successful runs were for five, six, seven, eight yards. They really didn't let him break out. Um, it, and DeForest Buckner was just a force. He didn't get a sack, but he did have five tackles and three quarterback hits, consistently getting pressure on Tannehill and consistently walloping him. Yeah, I, one thing on Henry, 
I and this defense would disagree. If I hold Derrick Henry to 103 yards, I've had a good day. I, I just think that's because because this guy's that good. And I think one of the most deceiving stats is they got like you mentioned, they got one sack on Tannehill. I'm sure he's sore today. They put some. There was one that, that he almost didn't get up from. I don't know whether it was the Justin Houston hit. Justin uh, Houston or, smacked the hell out of him. It might have been right. that one. So, so it's, I can't and I can't think of who it was we were talking to a couple of weeks ago. Whether it was no, it was Brian Baker, the defensive line coach. You know, not that sacks are overrated because they're not, but he he said that your goal is to have the quarterback on his back, having to look to see how the play ended. Because these these hits, they accumulate, and the quarterback at some point, I'm not saying he flinches, but he knows that I better be getting rid of it. And the other side is at some point, the body feels it. And he almost came out late on one of those hits. So, again, sometimes sacks tell the story, and sometimes it's a hits. And and these hits, except for the one from, one from Buckner, uh, they were legit hits as far as not drawing flags. And if I'm DeForest Buckner and I'm getting a roughing the quarterback penalty, do it at the two yard line, like or one yard line, like he did, to where you're not giving him 15 yards. Yeah, and even that one wasn't egregious. He he was kind of right. going into him and fell into him. I mean, I get why they called it. I don't think it was the worst call of the game. I would say that was the um, unnecessary roughness on Darius Leonard when he kind of barely pushed Tannehill out of bounds and Tannehill just kind of slipped and fell into some people. That's, that's one. If I'm Darius Leonard and I'm going to get a penalty, I'm going to get a penalty. I mean, I, I'm going to do, I'm going to do something that merits getting a penalty. They, they, they're almost to the point that they're erring on the side of, yeah, it, it looked bad. Maybe in real time, I think it looked worse than it was, but when they slowed it down, I'm not saying he was trying to hold him up, but there really wasn't a shove. It was bit. It was worse that uh, Tannehill ran into somebody in the sideline. You know they delivered kind of the the bigger hit on him. But sometimes you just play football. Yeah, exactly. And I mean Tannehill, he's a guy who can run with his legs. Darius had to physically push him out of bounds, or he would have kept going. So I don't know what you're supposed to do on that play. I guess he could have released him a little sooner, but it's not like he gave him a shove, like you said. He just had his hands on him. But nonetheless, the Colts were able to overcome and. Mike, they really accomplished all of our keys to the game from Wednesday's show. Phillip Rivers play well. Check. Find a way to get just enough out of your running game. Check. Get Michael Pittman Jr. more involved. Uh, check plus on that one. Limit the big plays. Check. Stop the run. I'll give them a check on that one. Technically, they gave up. Yeah, technically, they gave up 157 rushing yards, but they got the stops when it mattered. Uh, a lot of that came in the final drives when they had backups in the game. Uh, be opportunistic. Check, check, check. They took advantage of the good field position on the shanked punt. Um, they got a blocked punt for a touchdown. That was huge. Um, I mean, special teams, really, those 17 points were the difference in the game. The touchdown off the shanked punt, that's seven. The touchdown on the blocked punt, that's 14. And then um, Tennessee missed the field goal. That's another three. So that's 17 points right there. Uh, how many times have we said this the other way around where we could count the points against the Colts and that's why they lost this time around. It works in the Colts favor. Mike, any more takeaways in this one? No, again, special teams. Let's, let's not, let's not underplay how important that was from the Colts end. And then on Tennessee, they're getting shank punt, block punt and Goskowski 
How much longer do they go with him? I don't know. His stats are incredibly crazy this year. He's six out of seven on 50-plus kicks. And he's like six out of – he's missed like seven or eight uh, inside the 50. Uh, And he misses a 40-40 yarder that's sort of – it just swings momentum. So, uh, you know, and and you touched on it. And the most important thing to come out of last night – or, you know, it was last night, not this morning – but they're, they're tied atop the AFC South, but they've got, they've got the edge over the head-to-head. And then you've got them again in two weeks. At home. I, at home. Although last year the Titans won here on, on, on a special teams mess up. But, but you're, you're, in, you're sort of in control of what's going to take place. Had they lost, had they lost, you're, you're basically two and a half games behind Tennessee. And as, as we talked about Thursday – the road to the playoffs via wild card for this team would have been really, really hard because you've already lost to Cleveland. You've already lost to Baltimore and it's just tough. It's, it's, it would have been tough to do now. Again, if you can take care of business and both the Titans and Colts have almost the same schedule moving forward as far as to play with Houston and Jacksonville. And, you know, the Colts have got green Bay this week at home. And Tennessee goes to Baltimore, so you can really you can really set yourself up. So, I, I was chatting with Chris Ballard. He says the season starts on Thanksgiving. Th- this is when you start separating things. So you've got to put yourself in position to be there to compete, and that's what that's what last night did. Mike, after last night's game, what would you say is the confidence level you have in this Colts team? It's week to week. I I, I just can't. Someone wrote that, boy, now we're talking Colts and Super Bowl in the same breath. You know, <laughs> please, please. But I, I just think that's what this team is. Maybe they go out and get, get, get their doors blown off by Aaron Rodgers. Maybe Tennessee comes in here and gets payback. I don't know. But I feel a whole lot better today than I did after the Baltimore game because it's all about executing at the right time and making the plays and this, and they did on the road against the team that started 5-0. and now, they've hit a little speed bump, but uh, I, I just think that, again, like I said earlier, when they play like this, offense, defense, special teams, they're going to compete with anybody, anybody, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, whomever. So you've got to be encouraged, but uh, I've seen enough this year, the, the ups and downs and goods and bads and in-betweens. I, 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 I wish I trusted this team top to bottom to be who they were last night. At the same time, I know that they, they probably won't be like that week after week. So I, I guess you sort of enjoy the moment, realize what it what it did for you, but understand that if you don't build on it next week and the week after, then like Philip Rivers said, if we don't keep this up, then you're, you're going you're to look back at last night and say that was a cool moment, but so what? So, absolutely. And I mean, they're not going to be able to rely on those special teams, huge plays every week. So they're going to have to find other ways to get it done. Um, we'll see if they can do that. November 22nd against the Packers in Indianapolis. That is their next game. Uh, only one injury to note in this one. Kenny Moore, he suffered a rib injury. He'll have to undergo an MRI for further evaluation on that. 
the good news is he has a little extra time to rest up before the Colts next game. Hopefully it's nothing too serious and he can be out there against Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and their talented passing offense. Um, that'll just about do us here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Again, my name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chapel. You can follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. Follow Mike on Twitter, 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 Twitter at mchapel51. Uh, please do us a favor and you know download, subscribe to the podcast, go on iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating, let us know how we're doing. Um, follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. I mean, we tweet things out all day, every day. Colts related. We'll keep you extremely informed and entertained on that platform. And we're not back until next Thursday when we're previewing the Packers game. So enjoy this victory Friday. Enjoy the next week, Colts fans. And we'll talk to you in about six days. 